While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make yourself an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to the desolate places and pray. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralysed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. A question to ask ourselves. Do we need to change? Are we content with the way we are? Or do we want to change? And if so, how can that change come about? We'll be considering these things today. It's the second uh, in a sermon series concerning uh, various people who encountered Jesus and how those encounters illustrate the mission of Jesus as well as how people responded to Jesus. Jesus' mission is summed up in 
Luke 19, chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He was and still is in the business of saving people, rescuing people, and making them citizens of his glorious kingdom. Last week, we saw uh, Jesus starting to bring people into that kingdom. It was compared to catching fish. And today, we're looking at another aspect of, of what Jesus is doing. How he changes the people that he brings into his kingdom, and how we should come to him to obtain that transformation that we so badly need. Jesus isn't content just to give us a ticket to heaven and leave us unchanged, and we shouldn't be content with that either. But let's pray before we get stuck in. Father, we pray that you will give us understanding this morning, and understanding that touches our minds and our hearts, and that helps us to be more like you in our day-to-day lives, we pray. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. So in the passage that Hugh read to us, we see three examples of Jesus saving the lost. Three men who needed change in some way. Men with needs. And we'll start off by considering these three men in turn. Then we'll look at Jesus. And thirdly, we'll look at the responses from others. Now we can sum all this up, if we can have the first slide. Uh, The changed, that's the three men. The changer, Jesus, who changes people. And the unchanged, other people in this passage. Sorry, it sounds a bit like the title of a spaghetti western. (laughs) So let's first look at the changed, if we can have the next slide. The three men who were changed by Jesus. The man with leprosy, the paralyzed man, and Levi, the tax tax collector. In the Old Testament, there are lots of instructions about dealing with leprosy. Sufferers were labelled unclean. To avoid spreading the disease to other people, they had to live in separate colonies, apart from the rest of the community away from friends and relatives. The unclean were untouchable. Anyone who did touch them would also be considered unclean. If a sufferer thought he had recovered from leprosy, then he had to get confirmation uh, that he was healed by going to a priest who would examine him, and then the sufferer would also have to make a sacrifice in the temple before he could rejoin society. So that's uh, what Jesus asked this man to do after he was healed. In April last year, I had COVID. I was fully jabbed and my symptoms were exceedingly mild. On the Friday, I had slight cold symptoms. On the Saturday, I felt just a little achy, so I took a test and very quickly a thick black line appeared by the letter T. So I kept as isolated as I could in one room. Brenda bought me meals on trays, 
and I had the TV to myself. So I, had, I was thoroughly spoilt. And I have to confess that I quite enjoyed the experience. <laughs> uh, on the Sunday, the aching had cleared up, and I was beginning to feel like a complete fraud. But test, on testing, the thick lines still came back, perhaps a bit more slowly. On the Monday, I felt completely well, better than normal, I think. Uh, and the line wasn't quite so thick. On the Tuesday, I had enough energy to cut the lawn, uh, which uh, our garden's quite hilly, so it takes a bit of effort. Uh, but it wasn't until the Thursday that the line disappeared and I could mix with other people. The illness was trivial, but there was a downside. I knew that there was a risk of passing COVID to other people who might have the disease much more severely than I did. I felt unclean. But having leprosy was much worse since the disease could last a lifetime. So sufferers had to struggle both with the symptoms of the disease and with the awful prolonged isolation that it brought about. This man needed to be healed. He needed to be changed. Then there was the paralyzed man. In those days, there were no wheelchairs, no support services. At least this man had a few friends, the ones who took him to Jesus and lowered him through the roof. <clears throat> but even so, he lacked the ability to get from A to B on his own. He needed help. Many such people had to resort to begging. He needed to be healed, to be changed. <clears throat> Thirdly, there was Levi, the tax collector. Now, these days, HMRC staff may not be particularly popular, but it was much worse then. Taxes were collected for the hated Roman occupiers. And they were therefore thought to be collaborators with the enemy. And they earned their living by collecting more than they passed to the Romans, often considerably more, charging excessively. The tax collectors were hated and ostracised, and even though uh, perhaps they only had themselves to blame, it couldn't have been a happy existence. <clears throat> so even for Levi, a sort of healing was needed. He needed to be changed. So these men all had needs. They had, they had something else in common. They put their trust in Jesus. They had faith. The leper said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. The paralyzed man and his friends knew that it was worth going to the length of getting onto the roof, opening it up, and lowering him down. And Levi left his means of livelihood to follow Jesus. Next slide, please. We'll look now at Jesus, the changer. <clears throat> there are some things that stand out straight away from the passage. One thing is that Jesus had the power to heal. Another is the way that he showed compassion, both in the way that he used that power 
and in what he said. Jesus answered them, verse 31, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He was concerned for people. Now, compassion was certainly a motive for Jesus when he healed people, but it wasn't the only reason that he did miracles. The miracles also supplemented what Jesus taught as object lessons, visual aids, if you like, to illustrate his teaching. <clears throat> and there were signs, pointers to who he is, God's man with God's power to heal. And being God's man, listeners should have taken what he said seriously. So, can it be a false claim that Jesus can forgive sins if he can also heal miraculously? So he was God's man, but we could be more precise than that. Look at the way Jesus described himself in verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He called himself the Son of Man. He often described himself in that way, but it's a phrase that first appears in the Bible in the book of Daniel, written 500 years before Jesus was born, over 500 years before he was born. Let me read that passage in Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. <clears throat> I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came down to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Here we see the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He has a heavenly origin, and he's a mighty and glorious king with a great kingdom that never ends. And a kingdom worth its salt contains people. And this is a kingdom of people from all nations and languages serving King Jesus. And that makes the coming of Jesus into this world a momentous event, something that's perhaps easy to overlook as we read a passage like this. A momentous event. Let me illustrate. On the 30th of June, 1908, an asteroid uh, estimated to be up to 60 metres or 200 feet wide entered Earth's atmosphere at 60,000 miles an hour. It exploded in mid-air over a remote part of eastern Siberia. Could I have the next slide? An estimated 80 million trees were flattened in an area of over 800 square miles. People over a hundred miles away were knocked off their feet by the shockwave. It was the largest impact explosion in recorded history, enough to have wiped out a whole city. It was a momentous event. 
Next slide, please. But even though it appeared less dramatic, the coming of Jesus was greater. The asteroid came from space, but Jesus came from beyond our physical universe, the universe that he had created. New trees would replace the old ones that had been felled, but Jesus brings about permanent, eternal change. And those changes are good, positive ones, not like the destructive effect of an asteroid impact. <clears throat> Here was the mighty God who had come down from the heights of heaven to the earth in a human body. A momentous event, and I think the most momentous aspect of that is the enormous grace, the favour that God uh, showed to the undeserving in coming down in a human body. And that brings us to another thing about Jesus. Many times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the Son of God. But, and Jesus didn't deny that, but uh, as we've seen, Jesus preferred to call himself the Son of Man. We've said that that phrase from Daniel, coming with the clouds of heaven, conveys Jesus' divinity. But its inherent meaning shows that he was also human. Now that doesn't mean that he was half human and half God. Not like the centaurs in Harry Potter films, who were half human and half horse but correspondingly, neither completely human nor completely horse. No, Jesus is fully God and fully human. Indeed, in a very real sense, he was more human than the rest of us because he was completely like humans and meant to be like. <clears throat> in his humanity, he identified himself with us as men and women, See how he reached out and touched the leper, something others wouldn't have dared to do. He shared in our sorrows and suffering. He befriended obvious sinners like the tax collector. And at the cross, he would identify himself with our sinfulness, bearing God's judgment, the judgment that we deserve, that he didn't deserve, being without sin. Now in heaven, he remains a man, identifying himself with us and representing us. Sometime after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, the apostle Paul wrote, for there is, present tense, there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He remains fully God and fully man in heaven. And today he's still in the business of meeting human need, seeking and saving the lost. And he wants to change us. The man with leprosy knew that Jesus had the power to heal him, but he wasn't presumptuous. He, by thinking that Jesus would wanting, wanted to do it, but, so he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. 
And Jesus replied, I will, I want to. Jesus wants to save people. <clears throat> with a paralyzed man who is powerless without the help of others, we see that Jesus has the power to save the helpless, to do what we can't do for ourselves. So Jesus is both willing and able. And with Levi, we see that Jesus saves us, rescues us for a purpose, to follow him. Uh, next slide, please. Now, let's look at the unchanged. Many of the other people mentioned in this passage consider the crowds of people that Jesus attracted. When Jesus healed the leper, we see that they had mixed motives in seeking out Jesus. Verse 15, great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. A mixture of wanting to hear Jesus' teaching and to be healed. And after the paralyzed man was healed, we see the reaction of the onlookers. Verse 26. Amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Well, it was, it's good that they were amazed and they glorified God. But there was something, I think, rather disappointing in that response, in what they said. We have seen extraordinary things today. Do you see what they were missing? Yes, what they had seen, the healing miracle, was extraordinary. But what they should have realized is what they heard was even more extraordinary. Jesus had said, the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. They were so intent on the spectacle of the miracles, they missed the wonder of that. And I suspect that was because they were apathetic towards their sins and didn't realize their own need of having their sins forgiven. And then there were the Pharisees and scribes, the religious people of that area. They grumbled when they saw Jesus feasting with the tax collectors and sinners and Jesus identifying himself with them, not with their sin, not with what they did, but with them as fellow human beings and as people who needed to be rescued. Jesus' response to their grumbling was ironic. Verse 31, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It wasn't that... Uh, they were righteous, but rather they considered themselves righteous, failing to see their own sin and their need of forgiveness. So they were more than just apathetic. They were proud of the righteousness they thought they possessed. Sides can go off, thank you. So let's wind up by seeing how these three encounters apply to us. In the healing of the leprous man, his visit to the priest and the offering he made, we see a picture where leprosy is a model for sin, for which we need to come to Jesus as the man went to the priest, to come to Jesus to receive forgiveness and cleansing. And then there was the offering 
speaking of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And that has to happen before we're able to join the people of God's kingdom. The helplessness of the paralyzed man forms a picture of our helplessness. We can't save ourselves. We can't change ourselves. We need Jesus to do it. And the calling of Levi gives us a picture of why Jesus rescues us. It's so that we follow him. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Not just a ticket to heaven. We are saved in order to serve. The Bible makes it very clear that everyone is a sinner. Everyone except Jesus, that is. Even if we're not murderers or bank robbers, Jesus taught that anger can be like murder and lust can be like adultery. We're all sinners. So we all need forgiveness. The forgiveness that Jesus so clearly has the authority to give. We need forgiveness and we need to be changed. And for that change to be real and complete, it has to be an inward change, a change of the heart. And if that happens, our outward behaviour will follow automatically. And only Jesus can bring about that inward change. But that doesn't mean we have no part to play. We need to understand that we need forgiveness and need to be changed. That we need to come to Jesus to receive those things. We need to be concerned about our sin, not blind to it like the Pharisees or apathetic like the crowds. And even for those of us who are committed Christians, especially so perhaps, we need to keep coming to Jesus and in repentance and seeking his cleansing. We need to keep wanting to learn more of Jesus and become more and more like him. The Bible tells us, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus can and will do it. That's what he came into the world to do, to obtain forgiveness for sinners like us through dying on the cross, and to change us, to make us people who are fit for his kingdom. Uh, the ultimate change will be in heaven for those who have put their trust in Jesus. We shall fully and gloriously reflect him, made like him in every way except in his divinity. So not fully human and fully God, but fully human and fully godly. Whole, healthy, perfect, complete. Jesus said, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Back in uh, chapter 4, the previous chapter of Luke, Jesus summed up the purpose of his mission by quoting from the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is the time of God's favour, his momentous grace. This is the time when we can come to Jesus to receive forgiveness and transformation. That time won't last forever, but for, uh, for now his arms are open wide in welcome. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, sending the Lord Jesus into the world and for this glorious salvation that we don't deserve. And we pray, Father, that it will have its due effect on us and transform us more and more into the likeness of our Lord Jesus. Amen.